Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. All right, welcome back to a full new season. I think season seven was our longest season to date, but season eight is going to be filled with so many amazing moments. I can't wait to share. On today's episode, it's gonna be a little different. I'll get to that in a second, but let me just say welcome. Welcome and thank you for the continued support. It is not a coincidence that you are here. I believe that nothing just happened. So if you are here, if you tuned in, there's something here for you. In today's episode, we have a guest, but I wanted to do a little preface or conversation going into this this other conversation that we had. You ever felt like you don't know what you're doing? You feel like you're all over the place. You don't find you don't feel like you have direction. This conversation talks to that. You know, you start off doing one thing, then you find out that you want to do something different, or you feel like you're being pushed into one direction. For instance, if you're a stay-at-home mom, then your identity is just being a stay-at-home mom, right? So you do everything that the kids need you to do. You're 100% on task with them. You may be the most amazing wife. You have all these different titles, right? But there's something missing. There's a passion inside of you that you want to make open. You want to walk into that passion. You want to walk into that dream. And everybody that walks into their passion and walks into their dream, it doesn't just open up and everything just goes great. Sometimes walking in your passion and your dreams require work. Sometimes walking in your passion and dreams require you to do some things that are uncomfortable for you. For instance, when I first started to write for my blog, for those who don't know, I am a blogger and content creator. And I, you can find me at www.toitime.org. And so oftentimes when I started the blog, I was having the most imposter syndrome, right? Why am I here? Who wants to hear from a stay-at-home mom who struggled with postpartum, who felt like she wasn't being the greatest mom, definitely wasn't being the greatest wife, wasn't even taking care of herself in the way that she needed to do. I wrote the first blog and subsequent blogs after that and realized that all the feelings that I had, all the things that I had been going through were very much common. But in my mind, I told myself that I was some magical unicorn that this thing only happens to me. How in the world would I be able to have a situation where people would want to listen to me? Well, one thing about it, your gift will make room for itself. And all you have to do is go into that, step into your power and let it make and let it do what it do. I began to write and I realized that my passion for writing was just an ability to speak and tell stories. Now, these stories are obviously about myself most of the time. And they're regarding about how I take care of myself, the trips and the things that I've done that I shouldn't have done, but I found the way to come through, things that I found that I championed through and found a way to excel. Listen, life is messy. And if you've been on this earth long enough, you know that, you know how life and how life can work. You know that not everything is butterflies and, 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 and rainbows. So this episode I dedicate to those who, again, 
you're struggling to figure it out exactly what it is that you want to do. You might be a situation where, again, you want to do more. You desire more, not just for the people around you, but for yourself. And that's what this episode is going to be about. On this particular episode, I'm speaking with Rob Lawless. Now, Rob, if you find him on Instagram, is Rob's 10K Friends. And he has a journey to meet 10K or 10,000 people and just learn from them. Just genuine conversations from people from all walks of life coming together to talk. Sometimes he's been in situations where he hasn't even spoken. He's, he met with someone and they were at a concert and didn't even talk. They just were around each other and vibing off each other. Think about that. A person decides to make this goal, 10K, 10,000 people that they're going to meet. And when you meet people, let me tell you something. When you meet people, you are going to learn bits and pieces about them that may resonate with you, right? And then you'll be challenged when you meet people to hear things that you may not have heard before. Or it may inspire you to do something that you've been putting it on the back burner and say to myself, if she could do it, if he can do it, why can't I? Rob was a financial advisor. He was a financial analyst, right? He was around money. He worked in some of the most prestigious companies, but he decided to take a step out of faith and decided to do this journey. He's able to been in speaking engagements, all kind of wonderful things. He and I sat down. We sat down at a coffee shop. Now, if you know nothing about me, let me tell you something. Me and coffee shops, we go together. Now, listen, I love Starbucks. I'm a Starbucks fan, but I love a good city or country coffee shop that's a mom and pops, a small one, those beautiful ones that you don't even know that exist, right? So we sit down, we sit down and we meet at a coffee shop. One of my favorite things to do outside of bookstores. I'm a nerd. I'm okay with that. And we have a conversation. We just allowed that conversation to flow. In this conversation, I hope that it inspires you to be your best self, to realize you're going to hear about the, the failures and the things that didn't go quite right. You're going to hear about those times when things got a little sticky, but we stuck it out. I learned a lot from Rob. He inspired me to one, continue on the journey that I'm doing and open myself up to new opportunities to not be scared or afraid to take that leap, right? Just because I started the blog and now I have the podcast and I'm doing content creation. Listen, I get afraid all the time. People say you're at all these events and I am. I'm meeting a lot of different people. I am. I recently just met the governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Josh Shapiro. These are things that I would have been nervous, scared, afraid, and would have not committed myself to do. You can actually talk yourself out of your blessing. You can talk yourself out of your journey. You can talk yourself out of where you're supposed to be. Now, eventually you do come back around, but you, it's almost like being in the wilderness and going around and going around and just finding yourself being in situations that you know, you don't need to be in. You know where you're supposed to be, but you don't go there because you're scared. You're scared of being great. You're scared of being received well. I used to tell myself nobody would hear me. I wouldn't have any views. Nobody would care. And eight years later, I'm over 1 million uh, views a, a year on my blog. I couldn't even get 10 people to read in the beginning because I was new. I had to establish myself, right? So anything that you're working hard at takes a little while to establish yourself. Listen, eight years, eight years. Some people would have given up after year one, maybe even year two. But I stuck this out and we're here at eight years of the blog and now two years in podcasting. So if you have something that you just desire to do, something that's burning on the inside that you know you're supposed to do, don't delay that. 
make sure you get on top of that. Get on to it. Research who do you need to get involved to help you get there. Start off with free. Listen, my website was one of the free ones. I eventually went to the ones where I paid and I can control things. All that great stuff. Because this episode is completely different than other episodes in the past, and because we were sitting in a coffee shop, you will hear sounds of, again, maybe cups clinking, people in the background walking around. Um, it's unu- it's one of my unusual podcast episodes, but I kind of liked it the way that it was, and I didn't want to edit it too much because I wanted you to hear the raw sound of our conversation, and um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, uh, up, where I would be like nervous to meet mm. people. It's vulnerable mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. It wasn't for you or just you just stepped out into that? I think it was as well, but I think the more you do it, it's like podcasting, I'm sure, like the more you do it, the less intimidating it seems. You have your yes. bearings and stuff. And, and to meet 10,000 people, it's like... It's a lot of people. If I have a meeting where I'm awkward or whatever, it's just one ten thousand of the experience. So. So I like the positivity and saying to yourself, like... I have this goal, but it's one other. It's just one other person. It's just one more. Yeah. That would be. I don't know if I'm trying to think. Like in my younger, I say my youngerish days of my twenties, I probably could. But now yeah. I feel like when you get older, you get stuck. Yeah. You're I, like, oh no, I can't do that. That fits out the realm. Like. It's interesting because so I've started my project November of 2015. Mm-hmm. So. Well, background, so I graduated Penn State 2013. Go Penn State? Yeah, studied finance and then did consulting, so I was actually... About to say, when you're like close. Yeah. I was on 17th in market, so I was like two blocks that way. Okay. Um, I did that for a year and three months. I traveled a lot for work. I was still living back home at that time. Okay. And then I went to a tech startup that was on the other side of City Hall. And I did sales for them for a year and nine months. And then I started this November of 2015. A lot of it because I was so involved at Penn State. So I had like a ton of good friends. And I, it's funny, I was just with my brother and two friends from Penn State this past weekend. But I really enjoyed being able to organically create connections. So I did Bond. I was uh, a morale captain for that. Okay. for three years and then I danced my senior year. I, I've always wanted to do that. I don't know why. I, I mean, I went, but mm-hmm. I wanted, I should have like really got involved with mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that was the benefit of my sister going there. Yeah. She was like, you should do, do this committee. And right. then morale became my first home of friends at school. Mm-hmm. And then I became a line ambassador through that. I love a line ambassador. Yeah. So, you look like you would be a good, you would be a good line ambassador. Yeah. I, yeah. It's cool because, uh, now I speak about my project, that's how I make money. So a lot of those same skills of leading a group of people through a tour, it's like leading a group of people through a one hour talk. No wonder you're like, eh, yeah. this is not that bad of a deal. Yeah, yeah. I can see that for you. I can see that. Because Lion Bashers were everything. That's kind of like when I visited the school, I had a cousin that went there before me. Okay. So I went the senior, the summer into the going into my senior year. I went to this program called BEST, which was Business Engineering, Science, and Technology. Okay. So we stayed there the whole, practically the whole summer. 
took some courses. Okay. We did a little bit of travel. It was just to get us to get used to the campus. And I think that was really the defining reason why I went to Penn State as a student, because I felt comfortable there. And already was on the campus, I was starting to get used to the ways of how they move. So it was easy. And then my cousin was there. Family always helps. Did you have somebody on campus, but he was one year older than me. Yeah. But yeah, nice. that that makes sense. But the Lion Ambassadors, I love them. I have a few friends That's that were it. Lion Ambassadors. So. Okay. Yeah, I love yeah. them. Yeah, it's very tight. Tightly knit group of people. So I'm, I was meeting so many people through Thon and that, and then I joined a fraternity that was restarting. Okay. It was Beta, which was um, next to like the coal plant, if you remember, on on Burroughs, like down from the lion statue. I do remember it, but honestly, the only time I ever remember going into certain frats was parking. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. I was around for that. Yeah. So I was, I joined that, they like restarted the whole, everyone had been kicked off before I got there, so oh, they were restarting it, and I met a lot of people through that, so all that stuff, and having this big organic network, led to me wanting to continue meeting people, Okay. and I think I struggled with graduating, and being like, okay, like I got the job, I've done what I was working hard to do. And I don't know if you felt that way, but then once I had the job, I was like, okay, now what? What's next? So when I graduated, I struggled. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to go back because I'm from Lancaster, and so mm -hmm. I felt like coming back home, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And I really didn't go into anything in particular. Like, I didn't have a focus of graduating and, like, starting into something. Mm -hmm. So because I didn't graduate with the mindset of going into something with my degree, mm -hmm. I felt like it was a struggle from... Um, actually graduating to like actually wanting to go back and then that first semester of not going back after you graduated I was in Walmart crying because okay. I was like I want to go back to Penn State yeah. um, and I felt like too because a lot of my closer friends I was the only one that graduated on time-ish okay. I say on time-ish because you know careers can go four, four and a half, five <laughs> depending on if you study abroad and things and I was the only one that graduated in four Okay. And I was like, maybe I should graduate four and a half so I can kind of stay with my friends. And then maybe that would have helped my focus. But whatever it was, it was just a struggle. Mm -hmm. And coming back home and like getting into a job and getting into all those things, I struggled a little bit. Okay. So I felt like if I could, if I could go back, ooh, 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 you know, go back, it would be a couple of things I would do differently to just be more focused about what it is that I wanted to see, mm -hmm. what it is I wanted to see for my future. But I wasn't as focused on that. Yeah. What did you study again? I was a political science major. Okay. And I wanted to like go work in DC and do all these things. And I had opportunities that came, but I kind of dropped the ball on it because then that fear that I was experiencing of saying I'm going to start something different mm -hmm. was just like chokehold on me. So I didn't really pursue anything with that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It took me a couple of years to get out of that fear mode to learn how to just leap. <laughs> leap with thought process and just take that step like I had nothing to lose and as I got older I was like well what's the worst could happen yeah. then all of a sudden my little running rings came in now I'm like doing what I love to do yeah it's interesting because I feel like well I haven't worked in finance technically since I worked for Deloitte and even then I wasn't working in finance I was formatting PowerPoint slides and Excel sheets but that was the life Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because Deloitte definitely did a lot of recruiting at Penn State. Yeah. Heavily. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, I'm happy that that, that was the first place I went. Right. Because I feel like 
I'm typical millennial, I'm 32, so I think if you looked at my story, it could have been like the one who didn't want to go into working and stuff, and just like thought you could do this adventure. But the fact that you did the adventure and was like, I'm going to go do this, mm-hmm. again, I feel like, especially for somebody who's listening, who's like, I need to stay on this rigid path. You could have went down there. You were already in it. Yeah. You're already in it. You could have stayed in it and just worked your way mm-hmm. up and did all the things. But the fact that you were able to recognize very early, mm-hmm. I want to do something different. How was that experience for you? Because how was that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you do like a, a they call it a, a pleasure project or you do anything like that and you kind yeah. of leap into something different. They always tell you, you know, well, if you don't have your money in a certain way, if you don't have mm-hmm. this certain way, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's always deterring people from doing things that are more creative and more thought process and more thought provoking and things that are going to help somebody else. Yeah. I think it, for me, it wasn't that big. Like I, when I le- the first big move I made was Deloitte to the tech startup. I mm-hmm. had to pay $5,000 back to Deloitte to quit because it was part of a bonus that I had gotten. Ah, yes, okay. So I got a $10,000 signing bonus and you could keep five if you stayed for a year and all 10 if you stayed for two years. Okay. I left after a year and three months. So I had to pay $5,000 to quit to take a pay cut to go to this tech startup. And my parents weren't really, like, (laughs) that wasn't the plan that they had for me. I had to get a badge. Yeah, but I, for me, making that decision seemed very easy. Okay. Because I was like, I'm in a place right now at Deloitte when I was there that I was making good money right. and I was like I'm not happy and I'm not excited by becoming a partner and spending more of my time here just to make more money. Right. It, it, it didn't fulfill me so the tech startup was exciting. I was like I can get in early here. I was like the 80th employee. I can grow. I can have more of an impact Okay. and I think I always just trusted myself that if it didn't work I'd have a story that I could go back to Deloitte with. Mm. And then the startup was bought out a year and nine months after I joined there, so I was laid off. But I had started this project eight Before. months prior. Okay. So I'd already met like a hundred people for this, and then when I was laid off, I chose to go into this full time. Okay. And I was like, I'm just gonna push it as far as I can. And I'd worked three years professionally. I worked for a financial advisor in high school, so I was always conscious of my money. And yeah, then at that point when I went full time, it was like taking inventory of my resources right. and like looking at what I could do with that. So I ended up in Los Angeles for a year and a half with my... Of my, all the places. Yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. My roommate from Penn State senior year, who was one of my fraternity brothers, was like, if you want to come out here, I can host you for the summer of 2017 because my lease in Philly was ending. Okay. And so I went out for the summer and he was like, yeah, you can stay as long as you need to because... He was already paying the rent by himself. He didn't have any of our Penn State friends on the West Coast. So, okay. So it was a little bit of comfort for him yeah. and then a little buffer for you. Right. Okay. And then I ended up, like, I lived with him summer of 2017, and then I went back for nine months in 2018, three months in 2019. And then my other friend and his wife hosted me in Hoboken for nine months. Okay. And it was like... All the while, my project was growing. I was starting to take on small partnerships with different brands. It'd be like three hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month. I understand that. Yeah. Trust me, I do. With my blog, I get that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to start from the bottom and like work your way up. Yeah. So, and I think I trusted the validation that like every once in a while there would be a news article about my project, and it was growing too in terms of like 
2018, I was on Ryan Seacrest's radio show. Okay. 2019, I was on Kelly Clarkson's talk show. 2020, I did the Today Show. So it was like big people were Hitting that momentum, right? Yeah, paying attention to it. Um, so, yeah, it was like this leap, but also, and it was stressful at times. 20, I can only imagine. 2018, I had $500 left to my name after starting with a salary of like 72000 mm-hmm. That's uh, a big leap. Yeah, but I always just figured there would come a point where either through partnerships or something that I would swing back up the other direction and then speaking became that thing. Like I met a girl in August of 2019 who was charging $17,000 per speech for like an hour-long talk. Hmm. And she told me she was speaking 70 times that year. Oh, so she was doing well. Yeah, and, wow. like, and the crazy thing is that that $17,000 I've come to learn now is like middle of the range range because mm-hmm. i've seen fees go way higher than that mm-hmm. like people are charging thirty thousand fifty thousand if you get into like the mel robbins they're probably doing like a hundred thousand per talk so i'm certainly not close to any of those yet but but you're doing well but i was like this is a more exciting path for me to climb doing this as opposed to trying to make a partner at deloitte working 100 hours a week all the time so and I, I'm glad that you're saying that because I feel like now people are understanding, like somebody listening to this would better understand that now since the pandemic, how much they were putting into the office, how less people were in their homes, how less people were hanging out with their friends, how many less people who were actually traveling and mm-hmm. seeing this world instead of making all the money to be able to do these things, but then not actually doing it. Yeah. You know how frustrating that's. I, I can only imagine a lot of people have been in these last few years. And I feel like now that the world is opened up and I hope that more people are finding what makes them what 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 their passions are what sparks them because I feel like if you can find that you can figure out a finance team or financial team around that mm-hmm. you just need to be able to step out on and finding what makes you happy yeah a lot of people are not willing to do that because again the security of if I work this I know I'll they're guaranteed to get that mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a sacrifice for sure <laughs> I know. I, but I yeah, I think it's because in my mind, it's like if I get, so last year I made an entry-level salary through speaking, which for me is great because it's like I can afford to pay my bills, mm-hmm. I can buy groceries and stuff, can't be going on like trips here and there and everything like that, but I'm already happy on a day-to-day basis, so I don't need the escape from my life. Right. Uh, but yeah, like I think about my friends who are in the nine to five still, and they've now built up a certain level of comfort that it would be really hard to leave. I was 24 when I started my project, 25 when I took it full time. So I hadn't like built up this lifestyle yet, but still like I'll be at the grocery store looking at like the price per ounce of this snack versus that snack. And I'm like, well, this snack's cheaper, so I'll just get this one. But yeah, if speaking clicks, then I'm like, it was all worth it. Because then I'm doing what I love and getting paid to do what, what you I actually need. love, right? Yeah. And you can make what you need and be willing to make that sacrifice to do that. Because a lot mm-hmm. of people, again, it comes down to not willing to make that sacrifice, wanting this. Yeah. But there's work yeah. behind the scenes to get to that. Yeah, it's very. I I feel like it's very similar to working out. It's like, dude, I like going to the gym. I go to Planet Fitness near here, mm-hmm. and like if we all have like these pictures of what we want to look like. It's like you can do it, but to do like the the diet and then the workouts and the showing up when it's seventeen degrees out and you have to ride your bike there and stuff. Like this 
not really something you want to do all the time. But you know that this is where you're trying to head. You have to be willing to put the time in, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So I really like that. And again, I can't stress enough. There are so many people that are struggling. Like we're right here off of Arch, and you see all mm-hmm. these different people. You know, we're people watching. If you don't know, mm-hmm. for those that are listening, and it's like you you can just see different stories as people are walking by their own personal histories mm-hmm. of whatever it is that they have going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my project has been good for that because most of the time that I'm interacting with people, I've been spending one-on-one time with them and we're, we're chatting for an hour and I'm getting to know their backstory. So it's like trained my mind to look at other people and think of the depth of them instead of just the surface level interaction. I feel like for a lot of us, we have deep relationships with people we're close to mm-hmm. and then a ton of surface level interactions that we just see these people as like a character rather than a person, you know? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and again, we were talking earlier just about our different backgrounds, and, you know, I would never even imagine that I would be sitting here on a random Tuesday, mm-hmm. instead of being somewhere at an office somewhere, mm-hmm. clutching behind my keyboard, yeah. um, trying to make it work, and that's not really feeling. Mm-hmm. So what was your past? So you graduated 2003 with political science. Mm-hmm. I was a political science major. And then I just started to do like more executive uh, assistant and, and things like that. And I did it well. Like I'm a very organized person. I can I, I can hear and do all kinds of things at one time. I'm a great multitasker. But um, I got tired of doing things for other people. You know, you're doing things for other people, getting all of their stuff so they look good and making sure that they have all the things that they need. And when I started the blog, I was a stay-at-home mom at that point. Okay. And it would make more sense for me to not work full time and be home with the kids because daycare can cost you an arm, a leg, and some other um, expenditures yeah. to try to keep them somewhere else so you can go work for someone else. Mm-hmm. And so my husband has been very gracious that I was like, you know, let's just try to see how this works. And so the blog is what I poured my attention on. I ran that blog like a full time job. So I was able to organize my stuff, do the things that I love. Yeah. Um, I love writing. I love. Um, talking about the things that I've struggled in because I feel like I'm a master of myself, right? Mm-hmm. I can't master you, mm-hmm. you can't master me, but I realize that you know I could talk about my struggles behind the scenes if I was having a mental health issue where I was feeling overwhelmed mm-hmm. or I was having anxiety about something, I could talk about that because with me talking about that, there's another person out there that can't formulate how they're feeling because they're afraid that somebody's going to judge them yeah. or I'm going to leave and I'm not going to care about if somebody judges me. Um, in the beginning of my blogging, and of course, I, for those who are listening, I started blogging for postpartum. Well, I've talked about this with my husband on the podcast as well, but he didn't understand the process of like having this new baby and trying to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. And at the time, he was trying to like outsource to his friends, like, hey, this is what's going on in this house, and I don't know what she's going through. And blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. for me, I felt like it was like, why are you telling them that I'm struggling? Like, mm-hmm. You know, men and women are different. Mm-hmm. And um, as I went to therapy, I started recognizing that that was his outlet, that his friends were his outlet, that mm-hmm. he was trying to get help to figure out myself. And I didn't even know what was going on. Okay. Um, and so taking that leap of, let me put some time in just to myself. Because I was always defined by my work. Mm-hmm. I was always defined by my titles. And it was just like the one time I needed to just focus on me. So, you know... 
it being okay for me to leave the kids with my husband and saying I'm going to go out for two hours just to go to the mm-hmm. Target or go to the makeup store, do yeah. something. And that leaving the guilt of I'm not a good mom if I leave my kids mm-hmm. for two hours. Um, and so from there, it started to become easier where I would learn more about myself. Like, I love going to coffee shops. I love going to bookstores. Before I started having kids, that would be my escape. I like to go places that were quiet and just read my books and read magazines and make notes and do all that stuff. But I let a lot of my of who I was stand on the sidelines. Yeah. And I had to focus on, like, it's okay to have this person. Like, I'm still me. And then, yes, I have these other titles. Yeah. Yeah, it's my sister has a two and a half year old, and then my one nephew, his birthday is today. He just turned one. Well, happy birthday! Yeah, so I've I've seen her go. She was working in marketing at Penn, and I think she quit like six months ago. So she's doing the stay-at-home mom thing now, and I know that she is like trying to balance being a mother with her identity as a person. Yeah, you lose it because it's always about your kids. Everybody tells you when you have kids, you know, you're supposed to make sure that they have all the things that they need and you're supposed to make sure that they are secure and they're happy and they have all these different things. But that two and two and a half, three, like my kids were at the time, they didn't care. They just wanted to eat their food and watch their little cartoon. But we're putting more emphasis on like this perfectionist of mom. Make sure I have everything cleaned up and give them a nap at a certain time and put them down at a certain time. And when those kids go down, you think you're going to give yourself some me time and you're falling asleep on the couch because you're yeah. all exhausted. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I hope to have a wife and kid someday. And like the time management required for that is mm, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm, I will say if you're not ready yet. Don't run into it until you're ready. No, I don't. I don't plan to. Because you know, people will tell you you need to have had kids mm-hmm. by a certain age. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. You need to have kids when you feel like you're ready to have some kids, mm-hmm. or if you don't feel like you want to have kids at all, then don't have them. Right. Yeah. You know. That's that's been another benefit of the project is like being so far. There's not many people meeting ten thousand people, so uh, no. you just get put off in your own little world. No. And people don't understand you. So I've had people question my path for the last. I'm sure they have. What are some of the things they've said? I just, like, I know that my parents would hear from, like, other parents in the church community or, uh, like, like, just people from their age who'd be like, oh, like, your son is meeting, what is he doing? Is they, like, he's how, just running around meeting in your people. Basement? Like, and right. all that stuff. And, I remember coming out of uh, church one time and the, the guy that I went to grade school with, his mom was like, oh, I heard about your 10,000 friends project. That's interesting. Your um, little project? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yes. people would be like, what's he going to do? What's he, like, what is his plan? He's going to meet 10,000 people. And then do what with it? And then get an entry-level job somewhere. So I was like, you're just not even thinking on the same level of what like the fact that you could create a speaking career the fact that you could monetize partnerships and stuff like that like i feel like think about the wealth of knowledge that you've learned from meeting other people mm-hmm. at their different various backgrounds different things that they've experienced that they've opened up and talked or not talked about because i've yeah. seen in some aspects where you've had situations where you just were in a space and didn't even talk mm-hmm. but you've learned so much 
you'll add more value to come in and speak to a company about some of their own things that they're going through just from the things that you've seen and experienced. Yeah. That's more valuable than someone that's sitting behind a computer screen telling you about, well, you know, life is like la da da. It's more valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I believe in like, like humility and being humble because I'm humbled every day to the project to the people that I meet. But yeah, I think when it comes to chasing like your dreams, or I'm sure with the blog too, there's like a certain point where other people can't understand your vision and you're like, thank you for that information and mm-hmm. that perspective. And I'll put it on the shelf and then you have to go do what you want to do. And, like, I've had that my whole, since the, since the blog started. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always asked, what is a blog? You're just going to write all day? Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, want, don't that get boring? And I'm thinking, absolutely not. Like the times when like, I don't, I feel like oh, I just, I'm ready to write again. Like I'm, I'm ready to do that. And it doesn't get boring to me. I, I thrive in it. I love it. It gives me joy. Yeah. Brings me passion. Great. Which is great. Right. It's like, I always say it's like sailing with the wind at your back when you're doing something that you enjoy. Right. Even the harder parts are almost interesting. It's like playing a board game. It's like a puzzle to solve. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's lows to it. You know, when you have a partnership with someone and you're waiting for them to pay their yeah that invoice mm-hmm. and they're you know not as expeditiously as you thought or the contract might have said so you know there are things that go along with that and the behind scenes too mm-hmm. yeah but i think that's also a skill to learn how to stand up for yourself mm-hmm. and to message a company and be like hey this is due we agree and i have been adding into 2023 the if this is X amount of days late, this would be the new fee. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I had to get comfortable in that because you feel uncomfortable to say, I'm sorry, you do know you owe me money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, how do you professionally say, hey, remember that situation? Uh, so, large, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's a, <laughs> an art to it, too. There is an art. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I used to always look at other people and be like, oh, they're so confident or they know how to run a business. But then when you're in that position, you're like, well, I have to do this. Because who else is going to – I'm the team of one. Mm -hmm. Now, my husband, he's, like, behind the scenes and he does things too, but it's usually just me. So I have to send that email out, right? Mm -hmm. I can't sit on it because the longer I sit, then I'm waiting on something, and it's like, speak up. Yeah. Exercise your – speak up. How how many kids do you have now? I have three, and there will be no more. Okay. And how old are they? <laughs> They're now 13, 11, and 9. 13, 11, and 9. Okay. And did you go through postpartum after the last one? No. Surprisingly, I went through it with the second. Well, second, I guess second and the last one. Okay. Yeah. How was that? Because I feel like it's like we know it's something that obviously can happen after mm-hmm. having a baby. Was it confusing when you were like, well, I've had a child, and, and obviously it's not dependent on like the order of the children, but... Right, so I didn't go with it with my first, mm-hmm. so I wasn't expecting it. When I went through it with my second, I didn't know what the heck was happening. Yeah. Um, by the time the third one came, and I was already anticipating that it could happen again, I was more prepared mm-hmm. for the third time to okay. know, like, let's put some things into place. You know, it's okay to say, let's ask for help, or let's lean on my husband to do other things so I can go do other things. Mm-hmm. But you, you again, just like with the mo- with motherhood in general, you get better yeah. as the kids come. Um, but I'm at the point where I'm not having any more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, I have gone and given my contributions, yeah. but I'm okay with where I'm at. Yeah. How, so how would you describe that experience of going through postpartum? Like, 
Ooh, so first part of for me was almost like an out-of-body experience. I would see myself about to flip out, about to have a moment, about to start hollering. Like I was a, at the time doing postpartum, like I would scream, would holler, I would be irritated, wasn't getting sleep, I would be hungry but didn't want to eat. Um, my husband would be like, oh, you look fine, but I'm like, oh, you know, I'm ch- chopping at him, trying to tear him up <laughs> mentally and, and emotionally. And so I would feel it like I would almost it would be like you sitting across the thing and I'd be like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then I'm like, and then I'll go. Um, so it was very confusing. It was very angry because I would feel guilty because I'm like, I don't want to be in it. I don't want to create an environment of screaming in my house. I don't want to holler at my husband. I don't want to have these moments. But it was like, it's coming, it's coming, it's going to happen. So what, was there like an experience or what led you to go seek help? The first time I had it with the second child sought me to seek help was when one day I was in my house and uh, we had a friend in our a mutual friend in our house, and I was so upset, so frustrated. I was like, "I'm calling the cops on you." Mm-hmm. Why in the world would I call the cops on my? At the time, he was uh, my fiance. Mm-hmm. He had done nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing wrong. But for whatever reason, I was just like, "I'm calling the police." Mm-hmm. And then I sat there. I just started bawling and crying. Like, what in the actual world? Have I gotten to this point? What is wrong with me? This is not me. I'm not normally a screamer or holler. This is not normally my demeanor. And so one of my friends was like, you may want to go see somebody about postpartum. I didn't even know where to go. So I just called my family doctor. or the, the No, I called my family doctor and they couldn't get me in. I ended up calling my kid's pediatrician. She came and saw me. Okay. And that's how I went to get to, um, had a colleague of hers. That's how I went from the pediatrician, from my family doctor to the pediatrician, from the pediatrician to a therapist. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Family doctor, pediatrician, pediatrician, therapist. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, having to get reevaluated to see, like, okay, do you need medication for a small amount of time? Which I did. Mm-hmm. I was on medication. I don't even remember the name of it, but I was on medication for probably three to four months. Okay. Then they weaned me off. And then we just kept on with the therapy. So I was going to therapy like two days a week okay. in the beginning. Then we started going from two days a week to once a week. Mm-hmm. Then once a week to two times in a month. Yeah. And then eventually I went from just one time a month. And then I was able to stop that for that period of time. And then I went to therapy for other things later on. Mm-hmm. But it gave me the tool sets to be like, if I ever need it again, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, this is the process that I would need to go through. Okay. Can you, now with hindsight, can you look back and be like, because I feel like mental health, one of the issues with it is, or at least for me, when I get anxious sometimes, a lot of times I know where it's coming from. It's like I have an upcoming gig or Mm -hmm. I have, yeah, like something coming up. Sometimes it scares me when I don't know what it's coming from. I feel like mental health can be like that sometimes. Right. Like even today, I was having a moment just coming in today. Mm All this morning, I had a list of things that I should have done, mm-hmm. didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So then I got guilty about not doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, you didn't do that. So now you're holding because I have things I got to do this evening. So it's like now I've lost time. And then you feel like you've lost control. And mm-hmm. then in that mm-hmm. takes you from one angle to another. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. It just depends. Yeah. The control is. Control is a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like as a kid, I couldn't like make choices. And so like now I'm a grown person. I'm going to make all my choices. But like in reality, there's times when you just can't control. Yeah. And I had to get comfortable with like understanding that. Because I'm like, I'm grown now. I can make my choices. But yeah. life doesn't always tell you the choices. Right. I think being able to define what is and is outside of your control. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm a very, I'm a very laid back person. I still get anxious, but I'm. My goal personally in life is like I just want to live with a very path least resistance. Right. It's, it takes a lot for me to get upset over something because I'm like usually it's not a big deal and I don't care enough about it. But <clears throat> that's gonna serve you well when you get when you do have a family. Should you have a family? Yeah. That's you're gonna need that little that balance. I know. <laughs> I got babysat my nephew like one time and I had to change his diaper and he was I forget how old he was. He was probably like seven months or something mm-hmm. like that. And, he was just like an alligator, like moving around. The yeah, they want to flip. Yeah, they want to turn. They don't want you to do anything. Mm-hmm. And reality is, if you just let them walk around with nothing on, they would let you because mm-hmm. they don't want to sit there. Yeah. And now you're stopping their fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ugh. but that was. I was like, okay, I can see how easy it is to get incredibly frustrated mm-hmm. when they're not cooperating. So. Yeah, kids don't cooperate. Yeah. <laughs> Even when they get older. Like the breathing exercises. Yeah. <laughs> My kids are like I say. I tell my kids they're able-bodied now, and they still, mm-hmm. they still just be doing the most sometimes. So you've been thirteen, eleven, and nine. You said. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's nice. So two years apart. Yeah, and that sounds great to somebody like, oh, I want to hurry and get my kids out the way. But listen, that back to back, it can be a lot. Because as soon as you get your body back, then you go right back into another pregnancy and you're ready to scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this last one, I told the doctor, listen, I got my tubes tied. And I was like, listen, I want to see the tubes. So they put them in a little jar and they brought it to my bed so I could see it, that okay. they were out. Okay. And I did not want to come back. I want. I said, I want either this or I want all y'all social security numbers because yeah, I'm yeah. not coming back. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, three is, three is more than enough. Yeah. Right. That's how, how many siblings do you have? With I'm a twin and then I have a younger brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. So three, I came from a family three, and now I have my own three. So is your twin brother or sister? It's a sister, and we look nothing alike. Okay. Yep, nice. nothing alike. And my brother is about as fair skinned as you are. Okay. And nice. he has starch red hair, like reddish orange hair. Okay. And it gets darker in the summer and lighter in the winter, but nice. it's just as red as eyelashes is red, his eyebrows are red. He's just red. Okay. <laughs> yep. And um, you were. Like talk about control of the kid. Was that from the moves, the constant moves? Yeah, I mean, my father was in the military, so you would get stable on one location. You would start making friends, and then it was time to go. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't from moving a lot, then it was just the the constant. My parents were just, my father was in the military, just strict. Like, certain things had to be a certain way. The beds had to be made a certain way. Like, it was just all of that rigidness, which helped me in school. Yeah. I got straight A's. Mm-hmm. I was always on point with certain things. And that's why me being an assistant worked well, because I would be, everything would be to its perfection. But yeah. I was like, I, I can't live like that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I need some, I need less structure. I just need some wiggle room mm-hmm. in life. So, Gotcha. So, how did you... Were you doing executive assisting up until you started your blog? Yep. Okay. Up until. Actually, even um, a few years into it, I was still doing it. Uh, okay. um, I didn't let go right away, and then I was just like, it's time to go. Like, I'm, I'm over this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had a ball I can take, because when you're an assistant, everything gets blamed on you mm-hmm. real easy, okay. even if it's good, bad, or indifferent. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the person for sure your boss had did something. It could be the president of the company. It does not matter. Yeah. Um, I've had a few bad um, bosses, and I was just like, Ugh, it's time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And then when you started getting help for the postpartum, did you 
Well, I like. I'll ask you this question. That's I like right, straight everyone. up. It's no, it's not a good. No, oh, okay. It can be deep, but the question is, if you think about your identity as a pie chart, mm-hmm. what would be the categories that make up who you are, and what would be the percentages? Because I feel like if you think about motherhood when it's a struggle, it's like the pie is one hundred percent motherhood, and you lose the other slices that mm-hmm. that make you, know, you up who you are. Balance, yeah. So, so I would say now. I am, I would say, 50, 40% of mom mm-hmm. and 60% becoming like, I would say 60%, I would say 45% of myself. And then I would give like to my friends and then my husband and like mm-hmm. traveling and because um, that travel makes me happy too. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the first thing that left was travel. Mm-hmm. Then I started to lose myself and then I just started to become like, 80% mom, 20% wife, mm-hmm. no friend. Like, I had friends, but I wasn't really interacting with them. I yeah. wasn't really going out and doing those things. So, yeah. So, and then how did you rebalance the scale? Once I was able to rebalance my mindset first, with just at one point being on the medication and coming off of that, then I started realizing that it was okay for me to give, you know, f- to be 50% husband, you know, wife and mom is a combined force. And then I was okay to give 30 or 40% to my blog as a business and then give those other parts to myself as well. Nice. So what are the, if you remove the 40% kids from the equation, what what is the part that is you now? What makes up for I would say right now I'm probably 60%. Um, I'm making sure that I put something back into me. And I'm able to, for myself, See life for what it is that I want to make it. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to look around and not be like, I'm in mom mode. I'm in mom mode. I'm in yeah. mom mode every three seconds. I'm in mm-hmm. mom mode. I can stop what I'm doing, handle something, come mm-hmm. back to whatever it is that I'm working on. Yeah. Stop what I'm doing, give them my 100% attention, and then come back mm-hmm. to what makes me happy. Instead yeah. of me saying, well, you know, I'm only in mom mode. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like a lot of moms do that, and they don't feel like it's okay for them to say, "I'm me. This is me." Yeah. And let me stop what I'm doing and make sure that my family is okay. But I'm coming back to this because this me being the woman that I'm trying to be or the woman that I am is important. Yeah. It's probably just as important. But we don't tell each other that. We're not allowed mm-hmm. to do that, right? We're only supposed to be the greatest moms ever. Mm-hmm. I'm a great mom because I'm a great woman. Mm-hmm. I'm probably a better mom now than I was when I started mm-hmm. because I realized the woman that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what are the things that fill you to writing, travel? Writing, travel. Um, I love going to coffee shops. I love reading books. Mm-hmm. I took a trip a couple of weeks ago. I took, um, not a trip, but two weeks ago, I just went to the bookstore, stayed there for hours. Then mm-hmm. I left there and went to a coffee shop and just filling books in my hand, being able to take my time look around and see what I wanted, buy the things that I wanted, and just spend like almost a full day. I was out for the full day. Mm-hmm. I, I, my kids were wherever they were at, and I picked them up when I needed to, but yeah. just I was out. Um, a few weeks before that, I went to L.A. and just took a trip there to do some stuff with the blog. But in that, I just like traveling by myself. I love mm-hmm. solo travel. Mm-hmm. I feel like solo travel is just like it makes my cup just boil over. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then... Um, Gone. It'll come back. <laughs> It'll come back. Yeah. Uh, I, maybe it was around the blog. Like, doing that, do you feel like 
hard is that? Because that's a whole other challenge. It's a whole other challenge. Like you just say I'm doing a vlog no. successfully. I didn't even have uh, hundred um, readers of the blog in the beginning, so I felt like I was blogging to my same set of friends mm-hmm. in the very beginning. And somebody just was telling me, stay consistent. Blog as if you have a million people reading it. Yeah. And and when I took that route of doing it as if I had a million, eventually I made it to a million. Um, and that's just the way that I do it now. You know, you have to stay consistent. That means for bloggers, they think that they can put out something like randomly and sporadically. But to be consistent, you may need to put four to five blogs out per week. Yeah. That's how that works, especially for SEO, for those who know what SEO is, um, for reading purpose, for Google to catch it and make you, and I didn't like to say this is a person you can trust for reading, you have to blog four to five times a week. So finally gotten there. I've had a lot of help. Uh, My partner with She Media, who is like another entity, and they come in and they just make sure I have all the things that I need. I had somebody that came in and made sure my website was hitting all of the, the things. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's crazy. That's what I mean. It's like playing a board game. You need There's pieces. so much stuff that goes into it. Yeah. And you have to like turn this dial and turn that dial. And you can't just act like it's not a, like you got to be intentional with whatever it is that you're doing. And mm-hmm. you're going to learn like I've learned and I'm continuously learning and I'm open to learn and being coachable when it comes to understanding about the blog and learning about the business mm-hmm. of blogging because it's a business. I didn't know it was a business in the beginning. I just liked to write. Yeah. But I had to learn if I wanted to make this into a business, there is a business in it. Mm-hmm. And you've got to stay on top of it. And this is how you make something happen. Yeah. I remembered my question was when you were at Penn State, what was the dream then? Like if I talked to you when you were a student, I was like, what's your. I was going to become an attorney. Okay. Yeah. I was either going to become an attorney or I was going to walk, work in Washington. Like behind the scenes of like somebody's politics and help them figure out all their research because I'm great at research and analyzing. So Mm. I was like, I'm going to figure out all this research. We're going to get this politician, whoever, and just like get them on the map. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to win. That's what I would have said. Okay. Nice. It's funny. I hate research. (laughs) I love it. I hate it. I have to like, and when I speak to, a lot of times people like when you bring in studies and statistics and stuff, my life is much more, Kind of like the big way we both talked about the podcasting or me meeting people. Like there is no hard agenda. It's just you sit, you flow, you see what comes of it. Yeah, because that's like, more meaningful. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned when I I still do include statistics and whatnot because it is important in the speeches. But I'm like, you could Google that stuff. Like you can't Google someone else's lived experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy Chad Littlefield that I he went to Penn State as well but he speaks and he talks about that all the time he's like every person has a lifetime of ungoogleable experiences that they can share I feel like I live in that world yeah that's me I feel like I could find more value in having this conversation like I already feel inspired just from our conversations to continue with whatever I'm doing and yeah to continue the business that I'm picking up and that's that's more valuable than reading about how successful somebody was in, a, in an article mm-hmm. per se I mean we need articles obviously that helps us helps yeah. us with our branding but um, these are those types of moments mm-hmm. and how does your business look different in what is now year nine right yep going into year nine and um, year one. Ooh, year one my god 
Um, again, year one, I wasn't consistent in writing. Year one, I didn't understand the business at all. Year one, I didn't have a, a, a web page that looked like something. Like it was just kind of bare and basic. I didn't even have a laptop year one. Okay. I didn't have any of the, the tools that you need in year one. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, I have my laptop that I purchased for myself. Like I've had all these different things and I feel more confident, but I still take the same lessons and take the same drive and the same some of the same things that I learned in the beginning years, I still apply it to my everyday because I'm not going to forget the beginning years because yeah. there are lessons that are going to stay with me. Yeah. Now, do you, like, what is your, like, so are you doing four to five posts a week now? Mm-hmm. So four to five blog posts per week. That doesn't account for all the social media that goes along with that okay. because, you know, now everything is a social media presence. Mm-hmm. So um, usually when you see me online, I'm going to do things that are talking about mental wellness, whether it's a skit that I may make up. It could be a trending sound and turn that into something mm-hmm. that can be relatable. Um, or if I'm in the city, I may go to a different restaurant, but I'm also going to talk about like, hey, you know, I went to this great restaurant, but this is a good spot for maybe couples, but not yeah. necessarily kids. But then this is a spot where I felt a little uncomfortable because of A, B, and C or mm-hmm. Getting to that to that location may have been uncomfortable because of whatever. I see. Yeah. So it's like mental health and then lifestyle as yep, well. Yeah, and lifestyle. And do you have? Is the goal like just grow, like continue to grow, or do you have specific things in mind where you're like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do yes. that? Yes. So I want to grow, obviously, but then I also want to let the world be my. Like I haven't had to put my kids in daycare or camps in the summer mm-hmm. because I can go wherever I want to, especially when they're on summer break. Mm-hmm. So I can pick up and go and do certain things because as long as I can take them with me, then I can do that. And if I had any type of goals, it would be I want them to just I want them to experience this life and world and I want them to see me do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've gained an appreciation for that when I can talk to people who are adults and talk about the way that their parents influenced how they are now. You think more of like, oh, what are your kids paying attention to or what will my future kids pay attention to? Yeah, and I feel like for me, my kids, my parents were more structured about how they did certain things and like we travel was, we did travel a lot, but it, it wasn't as freeing and I want my kids to be freely traveling. So I want them to go somewhere and experience just splashing around in a pool. Let's go to the beach. Let's get up and go see what happens in this city or town or this state. Like. Yeah. That's what I want. Be able to wander. Yeah, a little bit of wandering, especially like the man summertime. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay somebody for them to sit at somebody's camp. They can world camp with me. Like yeah. I want to see things too. So mm-hmm. if I had any goal, it would be for me to forever do that. Okay. Yeah. Where have you not been yet that you want to go? Mm. I mean, tropical. I'm saying like things like Fiji and things like that. Um, I want to go to Italy for my for myself. I want to go. Um, I want to go more out west, a lot more like I've gone to California, but I want to go to like Washington. I just want to like hit states that I haven't been to as far as statewide, but like yeah. countries. I, I ultimately I want to travel to Africa to just see how that how that is. Um, yeah, I just want to just I just want to get all kind of passport stamps and just yeah. really want to travel. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. I want to travel too. I. When I started this, it, everyone was my intention was to meet everyone in person, mm-hmm. which I held up until COVID happened. So right. I met three thousand two hundred fifty nine people in person before I ever did a virtual call. Okay. And then with COVID, I had to do virtual, but it opened up who I was able to talk to. 
So I've met people from 90 countries like, at least at this point. I did so much. I had talked to people in so many different countries mm-hmm. during COVID too. Yeah. Which was fun because you can hear from them about their life experiences. I'm like, oh, I want to go experience that too. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I want to yeah. go see that too. Like, Yeah, it was like traveling without traveling. Mm-hmm. And then, like imaginary traveling. A little imaginary travel friends. Yeah. <laughs> but it is cool. Like, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Now I'm like, I want to go to Egypt because I know people there who I can meet up with. Mm-hmm. or whatever country it may be yeah so that's the goal i want to be able to travel i want to be able to travel and travel well mm-hmm. you know i want to be able to eat experience things um that's that would be the goal and continue doing what i'm doing to meet um people i also want to inspire other people again there's a plenty um people in general but especially women and moms mm-hmm. who feel like they have to give their entire world to their kids and they don't have enough for them and don't have enough in their cup for themselves mm-hmm. i want to inspire them like if somebody who me who is just struggling in every mental capacity and, and physical limitations and all these different things that were happening at my time if i can do it I'm not telling you to do it my way. Mm-hmm. I just want to spark you to do it your way. Yeah. Yeah. I just want you to get a spark, get inspired, and just take that and run with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that too. So, so, yeah, you're just being a positive example. That's it. I just want you to say, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not any of those things. I'm not even the blueprint. I'm just telling you, it can be done. Yeah. It, it, it can it's absolutely be done. It can be done in your that, way, mm-hmm. then do it. Yeah. Just as long as you're getting up and doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but I know you have a meeting coming up. Yes. All right. What did you think about that? Again, I preface that this is not the sound that would happen on a normal podcast, but I just wanted to get the essence of having two people meet for the first time. We did not meet each other before. We had no um, information about one another. We met um, through a mutual friend and was, I said we were introduced through a mutual friend and we met blindsided just at a coffee shop and we just talked didn't realize that both of us are Penn State graduates. Go Penn State. We are. Um, and our journeys are different and, and yet some similar and, and, and this is how life is. You meet someone and you find out that you have similarities. You find out that there's differences. But again, it's just that taking that risk. So I hope if nothing else you've heard out of the podcast is that you're willing to take a risk. You're willing to meet new people. And let me just tell you, for anyone who deals with the level of anxiety that I deal with, meeting someone different is one of my, meeting someone new, I won't say different, meeting someone new for the first time is one of the things that is a huge trigger for me. Um, And maybe it's the same for you. When I'm in a new environment or around new people, I get extremely, extremely nervous. It's nerve wracking. I'm always second guessing myself you know, wondering if I'm being judged or whatever the case may be. So if you deal with that, you're not alone just because I'm out and about with the blog and I've done so many, you know, social media things and I've been around so many wonderful companies. I still struggle with meeting new people. It is one of the things that I have to talk to myself through it. I have to do all the things. However, when I met Rob, I did not feel apprehensive. He made me extremely comfortable. I was comfortable with him. I hope he was comfortable with me. The conversation just flowed and I'm just grateful, just grateful to have it. So today's episode is special and this is a great start to season eight and come along the journey. I think we have all of March, we have guests coming through. So I'm just excited for where the podcast is going to be. Remember to follow Rob 10K Friends on 
Instagram. I'm going to also put all of the links in the show notes. Make sure you follow me on this journey. There's other podcasts that you can listen to that cover so many different topics as well as the blog. I'll have all of that in the show notes and just thank you for being a super supportive community and I'll talk to you next week. And this is Conversations with Toy. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.